Hey everybody, it's Matt. As we kick off this episode, let's thank the team at Newmark Knight Frank. They're actually helping us attract new companies and new jobs to our greater Philadelphia region. Thinking differently, sharing great ideas, and offering thoughtful and innovative advice that helps to advance the success of their clients, well, that is the Newmark Knight Frank way, with roots dating back to 1929. Newmark Knight Frank is a top-tier global commercial real estate advisory firm operating on six continents in about 430 offices with a workforce of about 16,000 professionals. With an enterprising culture and a fully integrated platform of services, Newmark Knight Frank professionals provide clients with a single source solution for every phase of owning and occupying a property. From strategic planning, site selection, design, construction, and initial occupancy to ongoing cost-effective operations. You can learn more at ngkf.com. That's ngkf.com. And join me in thanking Newmark Knight Frank for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. This is Growing Greater. Growing Greater. Bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11 county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. important role that sports play in the lives of millions of people around the world, it's really incredible, and that may be an understatement. Sports can define a community, foster camaraderie, and instill a pride and a passion that are palatable. This is evident in all corners of the globe, and in just about every sport, from the majors like football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and soccer, to those niche sports like volleyballing, golf, lacrosse, bowling, darts, snooker, swimming, skiing, cricket, and crew, people love their sports. Equally important, sports, whether professional or club, collegiate, high school, or informal recreational leagues, they can be a major economic driver for their communities. And in our community of Greater Philadelphia, where we produce our Growing Greater podcast, that infectious role that sports play in people's lives, it's really undeniable. It's no surprise that the passion people have for sports has given birth to a whole new industry, sports betting. And this week on Growing Greater, we take an exclusive look into this fast-growing world of sports betting and the technology that's transforming how fans can engage with gaming like never before. So when Camby, a global leader in the sports betting industry, was looking to expand their European headquartered operations into North America, well, they placed a big bet on Philadelphia. Canby is growing their businesses from new offices in the iconic Wanamaker building in Center City, Philadelphia. Phil Richards, Canby's U.S. general manager, he shares with us insights into this exciting and fast-growing billion-dollar industry, as well as his personal and professional decision to relocate with his family to Philadelphia to open Canby's new operation in the summer of 2019. Kicking off our conversation, Phil describes the role Canby plays in the industry. Well, that's a, 
It's a great question to start off with. Um, we're kind of, I'd say we're sort of the engine behind sports betting. We're a, primarily a technology company within the sports betting industry. So a lot of our focus is on developing the technology behind it. But also then we look at the setting the lines, we do the risk management. So we're sort of everything for you know your typical operator that they need in order to operate in the sports betting world. So we're really, you know, we're the back end behind what you see. You know, if you place a bet, you'll be placing it with, you know, one of our operators, but we'll be the ones who, you know, develop the product and are looking at the lines and the risk and things like that. So it's kind of the back engine behind behind the scenes. I really like the analogy of you're kind of the engine behind the online sports betting for the operator. You kind of listen to their vision of what they're looking to create and you shape it around that vision. I want to shift gear slightly and the Canby team has established operations in what many of us who are native to the greater Philadelphia region like to think of as an iconic location in the Wanamaker building. Share with us a little bit about the operation in Philadelphia today, how big of a shop you have there, and what's the type of activity that our Canby colleagues are doing every day out of the Wanamaker building? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got about 32 employees there at the moment. And the nice thing about the Philly office, which is actually very unique to the Canby offices is that it's, it's got a little bit of everything that Canby does. Most of our offices are focused on either trading or IT development, you know, specializing in one area. But over here, we've actually created like a mini Canby. So we've got, we've got the trading end, we've got the risk management side. We've also got IT development, we've got IT retail engineers, and we've got the account managers as well who are looking after all of the operators over here. So you've got really, and the nice thing is that when they're all in one office, they can you know, collaborate very well together and, and you get a much quicker response time for anything US specific that's coming up. So it's actually worked fantastically well having all of those different types together and, you know, it's helped being in such a great place as Philly because you've got such a fantastic talent pool that are really, you know, keen eager to work but very well educated and particularly sports mad, which is, I'm sure we'll touch on it later on, but, but you know, it's, it, that's worked fantastically well having all those elements together. That's a good segue to the process, you know, the passion for sports that Philadelphians in general have. And frankly, I think it's fair to say a lot of towns across the U.S. and Canada are passionate about their sports. And certainly it's certain categories like hockey in Canada and football in Philadelphia. And it's fair to say basketball, hockey, baseball, soccer, or what you may call football as well. <laughs> Even lacrosse has a passionate following here in greater Philadelphia. And, and where I'm going with all this, Phil, is... The open office is June of 19. Take us back to, uh, I'm going to guess, the fall of 18, maybe January of 19, when you and the leadership team at Canby were thinking about entering the U.S. market. Take us around that conference room table where you were strategizing around geographic locations that you felt were a really good fit and why. Yeah, so we, we'd been looking at the U.S. for, for many years. You know, you're kind of trying to line up any potential partnerships and, you know, so that if and when regulation does, you know, change, then we were in a really good position and we weren't paying catch-up. And, and one of those things as well was early on in the process, you know, even before passport being repealed, we took a look at, okay, where maybe would we want to be in the US? You know, where would it make sense? And then, um, you know, we kind of obviously throw out names like Vegas and stuff like that always comes first to mind sure. because that's where it was already legal. And yeah, some of those obvious Exactly, spots, you know, right? New York because it's New York and it's easy yeah. to get to and, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people there and, and whatnot. So we kind of looked at the obvious ones and then, and then we, we ended up developing a bit more of a concrete kind of search into it and looked at, you know, okay, listen, 
okay, what's the market? What time zone? What's the talent pool like? What are the, you know, is it close to any other markets that are looking to regulate? You know, how quickly and can we get to any of our current or, you know, potential operators? And then it sort of narrowed down slightly and we kind of, you know, that's when Vegas kind of went out the window because it's like, okay, well, Nevada's not really close to any other markets that we're going to be in. And, you know, it's a very saturated market. It's going to be difficult to attract talent there. And then we sort of thought, okay, well, what about, you know, the other big hubs, East Coast or New York or maybe, you know, Chicago in the middle and and kind of had a look at those. And then then we, but we sort of wanted to, somewhere that we stood out a bit more you know we, we sure. didn't want to be you know lost in the noise of lots of big tech companies and it's very easy to do that in, in many cities and then you're kind of just one of the small fry that has to kind of you know really fight to get to get good people through the door and then we were looking around and actually one of our um a u.s guy from our sales team was like well listen guys what about philly like, mm-hmm. have, you, have you thought of philly and then we sort of it hadn't really been on our you know, radar at all. And then I looked into it and I was like, actually, that makes perfect sense because it's the time zone, you know, it works from a European perspective. When you start losing the extra three hours and you go West Coast, it becomes very difficult to interact right. with, you know, Europe and the UK and, and the transport links are fantastic. You know, Philadelphia is a sports hub. I mean, yeah. It really is a sports hub and the people here are very passionate. The strength and depth of the talent pool is incredible. The amount yeah. of universities you've got within such a small radius around the city is... Mm-hmm. Is phenomenal, and it's you know it's close to New York. If you need to, you know, if people need to get to New York from you know flying from Stockholm or whatever, you know, you can do that. But you can fly to Philly in its own right, and yeah. it's close to a lot of our customers. Pennsylvania was one of the first states to regulate. New Jersey's next door. That was the first state to regulate, really, in, in, in this side. So it ticked pretty much every box, and also. Quite honestly, we could get a much better office space in Philly than we can in New York. I mean, totally. We wouldn't be in such a great space if yeah. we want to make it in New York. You know, we'd be kind of in the back end of nowhere. So Yeah, that's right. And we've got such an attractive office that people want to join. And you don't have to persuade people to join. People want to join the company. Yeah. You know, we, we haven't, you know, needed any recruitment agencies, anything like that. People just have been, you know, clamoring to apply for jobs, which is amazing because... You wouldn't really expect that in any of the market. You know, when you're yeah. saying the UK, oh, I work in sports, but it was like, oh, yeah, that's so yeah. boring. Like, I got so many mates that work in it. But over here, everyone's like, oh, wow, I really want to get cool. involved with that. That's yeah. really cool. Like, yeah. you know, get me in on that. And I love it. And so people really love what they're doing over here. And, and Philly is just, it's kind of embraced us with open arms. You know, we've, we, we open up an office here and, and it's been nonstop since then. That's great to hear. And it's been less than a year, and you already have 32 employees who are working out of the beautiful offices at the Wanamaker building. And I love how you kind of reference, it ticked all the boxes, you know, from an access and proximity perspective to Europe and and the home office, if you will, or home offices in Stockholm and London, to the access to kind of the financial players in New York, and if you need be, the regulatory environment down in Washington, D.C., and then, frankly, the rest of the country is easy to access from greater Philadelphia. But what really caught my ear, Phil, is this access to talent and a passionate talent pool of professionals and, candidly, a pipeline, to your point earlier, of talent who are coming out of, we have nearly 100 colleges and universities around the greater Philadelphia region and all the big guys like Penn and Drexel and Temple and then you have Villanova and, and Rowan uh, over in New Jersey great engineering programs coming out of Penn State as well and University of Delaware. And so there's so much of that. But I want to dive into a little bit more of uh, Phil Richards as well, because there's a part of me that wants to be sure to reference the fact that, yes, we have a great set of educational institutions that are providing talent. 
But one of the fun facts we like to share on Select Greater Philadelphia kind of presentations in general is we have nearly 2,500 K through 12 schools, public, private, parochial, and lots of different variations, big and small, across the 11 county neighborhood of Greater Philadelphia. So you're the father of two young children. When you're ready to look at schools, you have so many different options for you to send your family to one of these great high quality schools. And more and more, there's a pipeline of STEM education that's also being crafted and is well established in this region as well. So I know I'm going off on a long tangent here, but you capture the spirit of this really well. And we're so thrilled that you and the Canby team have chosen Philadelphia to grow your U.S. operations. Yeah, we, I mean, we couldn't be happier with how it's gone in the last sort of, yeah, I guess nine months or so. And, and from a personal and from a business perspective, and you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, the more I talk to people like, you know, Campus Philly and stuff like that as well, the more I realize just how much potential there is out there and, and also how much targeted stuff. You know, you're talking about STEM, you know, there's also courses for women in technology, women in, you know, the IT industry, which we're always striving to, you know, increase our diversity uh, like that as well. So there's, there's a really diverse talent pool. It's not just, you know, there's a good talent pool. There's a very diverse talent pool that we'd like to tap into. And, and yeah, I think we're just, we're just scratching the surface and sort of there's a bit more to come yet. There's still more space in the office. We've got plenty more desks too yeah. that need bums on seats. You can see Citizens Bank right in front of us. Every time I come in this room, it sort of reminds me why we're here and, you know, it really brings it home to me just how, you know, we sort of live in and breathe in the Philly sports culture. So I, I love that and everyone, everyone's excited when they come into this room because they're like, oh yeah, I can see the ballpark down there. And it's kind of like, it's a nice, nice reminder of the industry we're in and kind of why we're doing it. So I, I really like it here. I'd, I'd make this my office if I could, but I can't, so. One of the key ingredients that defines and drives the people of Canby it's passion. And while walking through their new offices, the sports teams of Philadelphia are, well, naturally, one of the focal points of their workspace. And then we've made this big mural out here with sort of all of the main, the sort of key players in, in sort of Philly sporting history. This international company has truly embraced the home of their new U.S. operations, and their love of Greater Philadelphia is proudly on display and even includes images of the Philly Fanatic, that universally loved mascot of the Philadelphia Phillies baseball team. And the newest mascot to win the hearts of fans, it's Gritty of the Philadelphia Flyers Hockey Club. He, too, proudly on display at Canby. And speaking of organizations that take pride in their work, let's take a time out to thank the team at Wells Fargo. The people of Wells Fargo focus on performing their best every day so they can do more for their customers, their colleagues, communities, and shareholders. As one of the oldest and largest financial services firms in the United States, Wells Fargo offers retail and commercial banking products and services to individuals, small businesses, middle market companies, large corporations, and institutions. And the Wells Fargo team is also uniquely qualified to help companies large and small in the gaming industry. With offices in 37 countries, the professionals of Wells Fargo can support their customers who conduct business around the corner and in the global economy. Learn more at wellsfargo.com. And join me in thanking Wells Fargo for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Now let's get back to our conversation with Phil. So folks, we're back with Phil Richards. And Phil, share with us what kind of individual the Canby team typically is looking for. 
So typically, you know, we're looking for someone with, you know, if we're looking at a sort of trading risk position, someone with analytical background, mm-hmm. uh, mathematics, engineering, something like that, someone yeah. that really understands numbers um, and is really interested in modeling, you know, numerical modeling, because listen, a lot of this stuff is about modeling, it's about spotting trends, patterns, mm-hmm. analytical data, mm-hmm. and also looking, you know, potentially developing things like AI and stuff like that to help us work even faster. So. There's that side of things, but really in that sort of role, you should be passionate about sport as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a must have, but I think you really, you know, you perform much better in your role if you're really passionate about what you're doing. Right. And, and I think if you if you see the people in, in all of our offices, it's not just in, in the US, it's, you know, particularly on the trading side, they know everything about their sport. I mean, you know, yeah. this is niche, niche stuff that's going on here. The conversations you hear at lunchtime is... You know, you, you want to open up a conversation with anyone, you know, it's easy. Yeah. You just pick up whatever sport and you'll find that someone's into it. You know, in the UK office, I love it because I'm, you know, I'm quite into my darts, my snooker and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're a bit niche, but there's there's guys in the office that follow that as, you know, for their livelihood. So yeah, right. I love that. And over here, you've got a lot of people that are really into college sports. And I right. Think that's something that we, you know, we kind of miss that when we're not in the US because... That's a good point. Whilst, you know, your NFLs and your... You know, MLBs and stuff, you know, yeah, they're, they're well followed. Particularly NFL is well followed outside of the US. But college sports, not not really. And I, sorry to, a bit of a sort of segue and rambling on, but yeah, one eye-opener for me has really been how big college sports are. You know, yes. everyone, everyone hears about, our oh, college sports are big. But then you look at it, and you look at the following, you look at how much people really, really focus on college sports, and it's just mind-blowing. When I think about when I was at University in Nottingham, I mean, you know, our first rugby team would have, you know, 10 people watching and that was just the girlfriends of some of the team members, yeah, right. no one else. Right. And, you know, you look at Penn playing, you know, football and, you know, they get, what, 80,000, 90,000? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's just mind-blowing. It really is. And I'm glad you mentioned that because in some situations, college sports is actually bigger than professional sports, depending on, you know, who you're speaking with and, and what their passion is. Oh, absolutely. And, and, yeah. And people have an affiliation with colleges over here that is a complete anathema to to people at home. Like, I mean, look, I love going to Nottingham, but I'm never going to support a Nottingham University team. I yeah. honestly don't really mind what they're doing at the moment. I've never, I've no idea how they're doing yeah. since I've left. And it's yeah. just, right. you don't really have that affiliation. But here people have a life, you know, you see car bumper stickers. With That's like right. Villanova on it or Pan or whatever. Yeah. The guys at work are all wearing, you know, pen or drex or whatever hoodies you want totally yeah it's true and the connection to your college and frankly in some cases even to high schools are super deep and those passions are running really thick and you mentioned pen and temple and drexel when you talk about the penn states of the world and and that's one i think their stadium seats one hundred and ten thousand. and then michigan and down south you have all these other college teams like alabama that are just it is their livelihood and it drives so much of the social and economic activity in some of these towns as well i want to come back because it, it wasn't lost on me and i'm going to capture this in such a subtle way but it's people who are passionate about sports who are also good at math. Kind of captures the spirit of what the Canby team is looking for. And you referenced something that I was also picking up on, which is this is really a, a risk management kind of play. And I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit. It's absolutely a risk management type of play. I mean, that is our almost to say our number one priority is risk management because, in effect, it, when it comes to setting the lines, you can be slightly different, but you're not going to be way off what other people are setting the lines on, right? But what you are looking at is the risk management side of things. You know, where is there any activity that, you know, 
a lot of it is about unusual activity and flagging that up and things like that as well. And I think that, that that's where the industry, for me, really adds value, is we can determine better than anyone else when there's anything unusual going on at all. And I think that that's something that maybe gets overlooked. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, because you hear the word integrity banded around a lot, and certainly over here it's, it's still not, you know, a closed discussion on that. But I think risk management and what we do there really can flag up where there are any issues at all because obviously it's not in our interest for any of this to happen. You know, we don't want to bring anything into disrepute. And, and also, how would you know if there's any integrity issues unless you've got regulations in place and operators operating to these regulations? Right. Your offshore bookie is never going to report anything. No, sure. So the risk management side for us is crucial. It's really important and, and we work, you know, sort of hand in hand with our operators to make sure, you know, some operators want to have a slightly different risk profile to others which is great and we accommodate that but but our, our guys are looking at okay well you know where's the exposure where's the risk where you know do we need to be less bullish on this well you know there's there's a lot of a lot of that side of things which probably don't really think about when you think about sports betting initially and then and then you realize that actually that that has to be a big part of it yeah for sure it makes sense too so i want to get a little nuanced phil you had mentioned something the repeal of the PASPA. What is that? Can you help us understand a little bit more what the regulatory environment had been and what it is now that actually encouraged you and your team at Canby to say, this is the time to enter the U.S. market? Of course. I was hoping you weren't going to ask me what it actually stood for. I thought, <laughs> thought you were putting me on the spot on that one. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a funny one, this repeal, because it's it's a bit of a nothing law. In it. I mean, it's not a nothing law, but it's, it's a sort of anti-law, as it were. It's, it's just not prohibiting sports wagering. It's not saying that everyone does it. It just says that people aren't prohibited from offering it so it's then up to each individual state to regulate to allow sports wagering and in what environment they're going to do that so it really just opened up the gates for states to take ownership over this issue and we we knew before you know PASPA as we call it was repealed we knew there were certain states who had a bill ready to go on day one New Jersey you know they'd written the bill it was all ready to go they're just waiting for the nod and then bang straight in first off the blocks ready to go. There are some states that took their time and, you know, looking at New Jersey, want to see if the model works, want to see, you know, kind of more cautious, cautious. And some states that require different, you know, political kind of machinations in order to get the bill through, whether it's some states needed a referendum, like Colorado recently passed a a referendum to allow sports betting. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the tribal compacts need to be looked at in each state. So one thing that we've really, really discovered here is how, I know it sounds silly to you being a, being from the US but how different states are to each other you know it's kind of we really have had to take a unique approach to each state and yeah. kind of you know map out the timelines of when the legislation is going to be there whether we think there's going to be stuff passed what's going to be in there and, and really work hand in hand with the regulator to make them understand how the market should be looking because a lot of the time this is new to the regulator as well right you know they kind of Maybe they've been used to the lottery scene or things like that, you know, not really sports wagering. Or maybe they've just seen the, the Vegas sports, books, yeah, which right. to us are like 20 years out of date. You know, they they don't know mobile betting. They're not really into that. So it's really trying to go on a sort of educational path and say, listen, this is how it in practice it would work with best practice. You know, this is the kind of things that we've seen that, that work well, don't work so well. Yeah. And trying to work with them to kind of frame a regulatory environment that actually works for everyone. and. And obviously, you know, the tax dollars that come in are not to be sniffed at from totally. the state. So, it, yeah. you know, if only from that perspective, it makes sense. But, you know, we're just trying to trying to feel our way. And, you know, as more and more states open up, you know, we've got the first bet in New Jersey and the first bet in 
Pennsylvania, Indiana, Iowa, West Virginia, New York retail, Mississippi is coming on. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of states that already legislation's already there. Then there's a few yeah, Illinois, you know, in the offing. Yeah. Colorado's in the offing. Tennessee's coming up. You know. Yeah. So it's really keeping an eye on the political landscape. Yeah, totally. I'm so glad you mentioned kind of the economic vibrancy that can be created from this kind of industry. And you're totally right that one, each state, and some folks look at this and say that's the beauty of how the United States is structured, is that states have the ability to kind of manage their own destiny, if you will. And to your point a moment ago, you know, Colorado may look at how Iowa did it and tweak it a little bit based on what seems to be working well in that particular community. And Maybe they'll borrow something from the Pennsylvania or New Jersey legislation that seems to be a little bit more conservative or maybe a little bit less conservative. And some of that can be driven by, you know, how much revenue we want to potentially generate from this industry that will help, frankly, to fuel education or fuel other kinds of societal amenities like parks and social service programs that all these states are looking for unique and creative ways to generate additional revenue and doing it in a responsible way. So it makes really good sense that you guys are there not only as a resource, but for the regulatory part of this, but the implementation part as well. And Phil, I'd love for you to share with us a little bit more about how this kid from South London found himself living in Philadelphia. And I'd like to start with this kind of working backwards. So you're living in the Maniunk neighborhood of Northwest Philadelphia, I guess I'd call it, right? And take us back to that moment where the Canby leadership team came to you or you were sitting around a meeting and they said, you know, we have this great opportunity to launch an initiative in the States and we're going to do it in Philadelphia. Did you know that you were going to be the leader who came over to the U.S. regardless of the city? Or did someone come to you and say, Phil, how do you feel about Philadelphia? Yeah, I guess they just picked my name because it was close to Philadelphia. I thought it'd be an easy, easy, (laughs) easy sell. But I think... um, no, it was it was a funny one because actually when when I was discussing this with the uh, with the leadership team, I was the one sort of tasked with putting a shortlist of people together who we thought would be a good fit for running uh, the office over here, and um, I was kind of looking down the list and and there were some really great people there, but I knew that they were in serious demand in, in their current jobs and whether we could spare them coming over here. So I remember sort of going home to my other half and saying, listen, you know, I've looked at the list. I think there's some great people on there, but I'm not thinking that any of them are actually going to be able to move any of them out here. I was like, look, I might have to put myself in the ring, you know, put my hat in the ring, yeah. really, if and how that comes over. to that. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> she she was like, I love it, that's a great idea. I was like, okay, but, you're, you know, you're quite a few months pregnant now. Is that is that really what you, what, yeah. what you want with, like, a newborn? And she was like, yeah, so, uh, but I kind of just left there. I didn't think much of it. And uh, then the next day I went into work, and uh, I had an email from my wife, which is literally like, okay, well, we could live here, here, and here. I could arrange... Viewings here and here, the nurseries are here, here and here. Right. You know, the flight times are there. We can move out on this date. The baby's due then. She kind of mapped it all out already. So wow, was like, she was yeah, into it. Yeah, she's, yeah. you know, she gets an idea in her head and she will follow it through straight away, which, I mean, it was so important for me because then I meant that, you know, when the time came, we had the conversation and it was kind of like, okay, well, I said to my boss this and I said, you know, you know if we can't get any of these other guys over here, then <laughs> as a, I'm not really selling myself well here, am I? But right, like, right. as a last resort, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can I'll do it. Over there. I'll do yeah. it. I mean, I'd love to do it, but yeah. I think there are a lot of people better qualified than I am to do it, yeah. but I'd love to do it. That's a really great perspective. And I'm glad you shared it with us, Phil, because you're right. One, it's really important to have your spouse or partner on board. It makes life a lot easier, right? And happier for everybody. And my wrap up question for you, there's a young person at Allen's 
school in South London, or maybe they're at the University of Nottingham, and they're thinking about their career journey. They're thinking about whether or not to go on to university and you know, ultimately become a chartered certified accountant, or they're thinking about a different industry sector. Maybe it has to do with math and finance, or maybe it has to do with analytics or some other space, or maybe marketing and public relations. What do you share? What kind of advice do you provide that young lady or that young man who's sitting in your old desk at your school and they're now thinking about you living in the U.S. and kind of the journey that you took, and you're here to help give them some life guidance. I mean, I think for me the most important thing has been to really try and experience as many different working cultures and environments as you can to really understand, A, how people work, and B, what environment you want to work in. You know, for me it's kind of, it it was so important that I worked in Germany, that I worked in Sweden, and it also meant that I knew that I was confident working over here because I've already tackled it in two different countries, and that means that I was happy to, you know, rise to the challenge over here. And I think that, you know, kind of working out what sort of company you want to work for is is so important. You've got to be happy at work. You know, it's not, yeah, you may be great at mathematics or analytics and have a job that, you know, utilises that. That's great. That's half of the battle, though. But the other half is you've got to be happy where you work. And I think that's really important. And you, you know, shop around until you are. You know, you, we're going to be working for a long, long time. Well, last time I looked at my pension pot, I certainly going to be working for a long, long time. And we got time to pick the career that you want to do. And you know, however you want to get there is is your choice. But kind of as long as along the way everything you're doing is with a sort of, okay, I'm going to build on that experience. I'm going to use it, whether it was a good one or a bad one. But I'm still going to use it and work out. Okay, well, because of this experience, I'm going to do this and that and that, and kind of work out. You know, build your little stepping stones to work out where you want to get to. But above all, make sure that you enjoy what you do because life, life's too short to be stuck in a job that you don't enjoy. As Phil and his Canby team get settled into their new home, we're confident that their bet on building their U.S. business operations in Philadelphia will pay off big time. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with friends and colleagues and family and through social media, too. Be sure to check out other episodes of Growing Greater at Radio.com, wherever you get your podcast, or at SelectGreaterPHL.com slash podcast. As we wrap this episode, let's thank the team at Cozen O'Connor, a global law firm founded and headquartered in Philadelphia. The professionals of Cozen O'Connor are known for taking action. They get things done when others are still just talking about what needs to be accomplished. The attorneys at Cozen O'Connor, just over 750 in 28 cities across two continents, they have impeccable academic credentials and they combine intellectual rigor with practicality and efficiency. The Cozen team provides sophisticated, business-minded advice aimed at one simple goal, getting the right result for their clients. No matter how complex, contentious, or critical the undertaking, the people of Cozen O'Connor get the job done. Learn more at Cozen.com and join me in thanking Cozen O'Connor for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania and it helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses, jobs, and talent to our region. 
Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazan and Mari Salawares, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. To learn more about establishing, expanding, and growing your business or career in greater Philadelphia, come visit us at selectgreaterphl.com.